What's up, guys? How are you at? This is Weird in High School. It is yet another Friday, and I am hanging by a thread. No, I'm being being melodramatic, but but I can't wait to never use APA formatting again in my life. I can't wait to never hear about SWOT analysis again in my life. If you are out there and you're wondering what you should do with your life and you're thinking of post-secondary pursuits, I think first you should ask yourself, do I need to go to school to do what I want to do? Like you want to be a doctor, you got to go to school. That's that's how you become a doctor. But then it would like have some point to it because you're like, oh, I wanted to be a doctor. I am now a doctor because I went and I learned about bones and other shit. But if you're taking business school because because your parents kind of like expected you to a little bit. I'm not saying I have these like authoritarian like, well, I really love you if you're a blah, blah, blah parents. But but there was a little bit of that. Like, like I, I don't think I would have gone to school without a relative push from my mom. Um, and I've regretted every day of it. It has uh, it's it's hurt me internally to be around people who are like, bro, I can't wait to buy a Beamer. Can't wait to buy a Range Rover by exploiting everything. And uh, if I hear one more person talk about like, just just talk about sales strategies or some bullshit, oof, oof. I, th- I think I'm really on edge about this too, because normally the way to like defend it is you feel like the sleep rage, and you're like, I'm going to a cool local show in a bar that is covered in graffiti after this. I don't know. I don't know. People are people are getting the getting the things getting inoculated. Um, I I really hope that that means we can see some shows this summer. Like I'm supposed to see Jason Isbell, I'm supposed to see Jason Isbell, and uh, with with my beautiful friend Dakota, and like, come on, come on. I was, I was supposed to see The National twice last year. I was supposed to see Rage Against the Machine twice. John Frusciante rejoined Red Hot Chili Peppers. Anyway, that's enough for me. How are you doing? How are you doing? Are you putting down the alcohol? Are you picking up the alcohol? Are you filling the internal void? Are you are you talking to the demons in your sleep? Just like go for a walk, do what you need to do. It's a bit of groundhog day. It's been more than a year of groundhog day. But to mix it up, and podcasts are really like the only thing I look forward to at this point. It's like, oh yeah, I get to hear like, I get it's working songwriter. It's Friday, Tuesday. It's like Andy, uh, freaking what's his name, uh, world saving podcast. You know that guy. What, what, what's his name? Andy Frasco. There we go. Sorry, it's it's literally ten a.m. and I was up till four. Andy Frasco's world saving podcast. That's that's a good podcast. Anyway, I look forward to podcasts. Maybe someone looks forward to this podcast. I don't freaking know. Anyway, I'm ranting. Today on the podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by Sarah Gargano. Sarah Gargano is a incredibly compelling songwriter. She writes really gnarly stuff and packages it in this kind of like... I don't want to be reductive here, but it's like sort of a bubblegum pop-like New York 2004 sidewalk cafe like moldy peaches are playing vibe really cool stuff i recommend you check her out uh you can check her website out she has saragargano.com if i am not incorrect about that and she's saragargano29 
on Instagram. Sorry, it is saragarganomusic.com. That's where you need to go. Anyway, without further ado, please enjoy this chat with Sarah. I'll be back to yell into your ears afterward. So we met a weird way um, on the internet. That, that's, I guess that's the way the times work now. You have been doing these cool little songwriter workshops, one of which I attended. You Would you be into talking about that a little bit? Of course, yeah. Um, I think I did. I was only planning on doing one, um, but multiple people had messaged me being like, can we do more? Can we do more? And I don't have that much going on right now because of COVID. So I was like, okay, why not? Um, but they're, they're really fun. Um, I did a lot of like, um, like back when I was in high school, I participated in a lot of songwriting workshops. And then I was like, the chair of the songwriting organization at my college. Um, So I started to help facilitate those types of things, and they're always super fun. They are neat. It was a cool supplement to, like, for me here in Calgary, a lot of a lot of where I get my kicks with music is just hanging out at like, like the King Eddie is a classic bar here. Um, it is like talking to other musicians, you know, closing out the place. So it is, uh, that's a cool way to kind of get that, that camaraderie and, you know, just commiseration even of, of the times right now. What was your way into music? When did you start? I mean, I always loved music. I think, I think it must have been when I was in middle school. I think in eighth grade, that's when I started kind of trying to teach myself how to play guitar so I could sing along. And I didn't really write my first song until I, wait, okay. I just realized that I spent a bunch of time in London, and the school system is, like, really different there. But in Canada, it's also just high school and, like, 10th grade and stuff like that, right? Like, does this make sense? Yeah, yeah. It's, like, I mean, <laughs> it, it depends, like, regionally. Like, I went to middle school, and most most of the time they have, like, junior high instead of middle school. But for the most part, it's the same, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I call it middle school, too. So... This makes sense. Well, okay, so in 10th grade when I was, like, would that have made me, like, 15 or si- I think I was 16 when I, like, really wrote my first song that I liked enough to share with other people, and I was validated on it enough that I decided I should just keep trying to do that. Uh, yeah. Were you like, it's funny because I, I think I like knew you like bright eyes and stuff, but 
listening to your music, I was like, there's something about this that just lyrically screams Connor Oberst at me. And then I was trying to study up. I looked at your website and it's like first influences like Connor Oberst. And when did, I guess the better version of this question is when did that come into your life? And what else was like, what was your very kind of informed intro to music? Like when did you really get stoked on it and connect to people like Connor Oberst? Um, so I definitely think that the, the first person in like the groundwork to what taught me how to play guitar and stuff was Taylor Swift, which is like probably pretty common for like teenage girls. Um, but I think I, when did I discover Bright Eyes? I, th- I think I was in... I think I was in ninth grade. I think I heard, um, which song was it? Um, I heard one of his songs on Tumblr or like saw a lyric of it quoted somewhere on Tumblr. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then I just became obsessed. yeah, but I, I mean, he ha- he has so much music out there that it definitely took a long time to, and that all of his songs are so, like, there's so much to process in all of them that it definitely took a long time to, like, know even multiple albums of his, but now I know them all. All those Omaha guys are like that, too, like... If you get into Tim Kasher, it's like who I think is friends with like Connor Oberst's older brother. Like it's weird how that small little scene evolved into all these things. I know. It makes me want to visit Omaha. It seems like such a random place to me, but I want to go. <laughs> yeah, get into Omaha core. I know. Well, it's so in my sleuthing out too, I'm, I'm like, I have not seen this term in a long time. And so it's like, in a way it's refreshing to see it. And I'm also just like, where does that come from? Self-proclaimed anti-folk. Do you want to dig into yeah. to anti-folk? I feel like I haven't. The last yeah. time I heard the term anti-folk was probably reading Meet Me in the Bathroom. Interesting. I've never read that. It's a, um, it's like a memoir of the early 2000s New York like indie scene. So it's got like Matt Berninger from the National and and Tunde from TV on the Radio. And there's like, gotcha. yeah. Wait, I want to read that. It's a What's pretty it cool called? book. Uh, Meet <laughs> me in the bathroom. Okay, I'm writing that down. Um, but yeah, I meet me in the bathroom. Love that. Um, I, I feel like forever I've always been like, I don't really know what genre I fit into, but I've always known that I care more about lyrics than anything else. And like most of my favorite music, I mean, even Taylor Swift is like, she's never been, she's never had like the greatest voice. It's always been uh, lyrically focused. I mean, no one considers her anti-folk, but all of my favorite music 
has been like that and people with like very raw voices not necessarily the best instrumental skills but just like really good lyrics um so yeah and I feel like people have compared me to I don't know artists that I'd look up and it would say like anti-folk or is it anti-folk anti-folk <laughs> I say anti I think you get the pick <laughs> okay I don't know how to choose but yeah I, I don't know so I guess I thought that that genre might fit me best I feel like it's um <laughs> I was listening to, there's this podcast that's like, I think it's called Americana Podcast, which is like the most old man fishing, drives a pickup truck thing to call a podcast, but uh, BJ Barham from American Aquarium was on it, and he, they're like, how do you define folk? And he's like, anything with an acoustic guitar, or no, sorry, they asked him how he defines Americana, and he said anything with an acoustic guitar that's not on the radio. Interesting. So I find that interesting too, but like getting lost in genre is a little, I don't know. I find yeah. it funny how like somehow like dashboard confessionals emo, but like sunny day real estate's also emo. It's like the only thing about those two bands that connects them is that like sad, typically white guys who were young in the early two thousands like them. Yeah, for sure. Genre is like, kind of confusing sometimes um like I think it's very important sometimes but I just never I never know what genre to classify myself as um and yeah sometimes it's just like blurry lines so are you from New York like are you one of the rare people? Actually, I don't think it's that rare. It's a pretty big city, but um, just like the, the story you always hear is the person from, you know, Ohio, Connecticut, take your pick of like anywhere else in like the Northeast, uh, seems to all move to New York to hit it big and follow Bob Dylan. How is, do you feel like growing up in New York has influenced you in a way because it's a magnet like it's already an arts magnet that's interesting i don't i mean i'm sure it has i i don't think i would have ever thought about that while growing up um but there's so much culture in new york uh that it's hard to not feel inspired all the time uh yeah I don't know I like I can't imagine I can't imagine having grown up anywhere else uh so it's, it's weird to think about like if I did grow up somewhere else like Ohio or somewhere I'd probably think about New York very differently and uh I probably would gravitate towards those kinds of things, but it's kind of hard because I guess it's all been kind of uh, subconscious. Right, it's not something you thought about. 
No, yeah, because I've just always been here. Like, when I was 10, I wasn't like, oh, I, I love being in New York for this. I don't know. I was just, like, in my own world in my head. It is interesting to... It's it's almost like, in my mind, these cities like New York, L.A., even Chicago, like I just finished Jeff Tweedy's book and hearing about the Chicago scene even sounds crazy to me. And it almost, it it's like when you play Grand Theft Auto and there's like the fake Grand Theft Auto city you get to know. That's what it feels like. And I mean, GTA 4 was set in New York, but it is like, it feels like it almost can't actually exist as someone who is geography or like geographically removed and I guess living in another country but it's like everything I've consumed as like a culture nerd is like that book it's like they they talk about or like CBGB right all the legendary venues all the legendary studios everyone lived in New York or in LA but like really if you're into like indie music a lot of that was very kind of new york and chicago focused so it is like almost like just conceptually for me like talking to a fairy tale character like i love that you're making me you're making me like new york more and want to want to brag about it I feel I feel like Calgary has a good music scene too, though. I have uh, I've mixed thoughts about it. It's really intimate. Um, it is like there's like one and a half million people here, but it's like I always make the comparison that like Alberta is like Canada's Texas if it didn't have oh. the outlaw spirit. Like, it is in the way that it's, like, people driving big trucks and not necessarily the most progressive place on Earth, but it doesn't have an Austin. Like, Texas still has, like, a very known type of scene and a very distinct identity. I wouldn't say that. But I kind of, like, I feel like Canada is just kind of like that. Everything in Canada is, like, the light version. Like, I would even, like, people always compare Montreal to New York. Right, so it's like even the whole yeah. if you're, when you're in Montreal and you're like Montreal's rad, everyone's like not as rad as New York. Yeah. Or like Vancouver isn't as cool as Seattle or whatever, right? Like, huh? Everything That's so funny. perceptually That's is like the lesser how I version. Think about Canada, I feel like I romanticize Canada a lot in my head. I feel like you get well. It it really gets like especially with all the with all the political things and that's where I get kind of burnt out on like, cause basically English speaking culture is primarily American. Like you listen to podcasts, they're probably American podcasts, whatever. So like mm-hmm. honestly more stuff about the American presidents on TV in Canada than like, than about our own politics. Um, so you get to listen to everyone like whine about a president they can't vote for or against right. that they don't like, but in that way, it kind of feels like you're just like watching. You're like us too, sort of, kind of well, maybe. 
Yeah. But then you also get the like thing where you hear Americans romanticize Canada. Like, I'm moving to Canada. If you know, if, yeah, yeah, if Donald exactly. Trump gets elected again, I'm moving to Canada. And yeah. it's like I would say there's like three differences. And it's like you don't I guess weed's legal nationally. That's that's something. Is it? I don't think it's legal in New York, weirdly enough. Yeah, in in like Canada weed is now legal in the entire country. That's that's neat. Oh, but I thought you were talking. Yes. Okay. Not here. And then like guns aren't as much of a conversation, but people still have them. And if you get cancer, you don't get a bill from the hospital. That that's I think the main difference. But like you still pay to go to the dentist and crap. Like people think of like I often hear this like American sentiment about Canada that it's like Candyland, and it's like. But then, like, I don't know, you can be in Canada and be like, Norway is so much better. Or Sweden, or like... Norway does seem terrific. <laughs> but this has really devolved away from, from musical things. I know. <laughs> which is kind of my idea here. So, the the reason this is called Weird in High School is, is I figure, like, the reason even that that we can become acquainted on the internet or whatever and do those, like, do these songwriting workshops. And I feel like everyone kind of just gets along. I feel like no one ends up being like, I'm going to write songs because they were super popular in high school. Yeah, that's true. Why? You think I wasn't popular in high school? I'm not, I'm not casting judgments. I just, that's where I'm digging into the, like, what did you find in songwriting that, that, gave you place in the world like what did you because i think there's a community attraction to this whole thing for sure yeah there's i think there does have to be some sort of an emo background to want to write music um i definitely wasn't popular in high school to answer that um what was what was this question just kind of digging into what, like, what is your take on why people want to create art or write songs or get involved mm. in this? Yeah. And what did you find in it? Mm. It's definitely different for a lot of people. I feel like I, <laughs> I feel like I do know people who, like, didn't struggle that much socially growing up and for whatever reason, they still like writing music and stuff. I know for me, I was bullied in middle school and music just became my everything. And I didn't even start really writing until I was in high school, but it was the thing that kept me waking up and feeling okay about how horrible everything was and how depressed I was because at least there were other people out there verbalizing that for me uh, and it's also a nice thought now that now that I'm not an angsty 13 year old being bullied that uh that maybe my music 
could do that for other people in some way. And also, anytime I feel angsty, which is a lot of the time, all I want to do is either blast music I love or write through it. So. That's definitely the thing for me, too, is just like. I distinctly remember listening to like what makes a man by city in color just being like, Oh, they're like, you can like, especially growing up early, I had all these male role models who like mm-hmm. processed all of their emotions and like getting quiet and going to like knock a tree down or something. Like I was <laughs> like, Oh, you can be this expressive person. Um, they exist and it was like connecting to people that I didn't actually know in my life, but like being like, Oh, I like Elliot Smith understands me more than people I know kind of idea. Right. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, rip Elliot Smith. Uh, but yeah, no, that's so true. And that also that's interesting from a gendered perspective. I feel like it's, harder probably for a lot of men to express their emotions so I don't know I can't speak to that but (laughs) but yeah that that must have been well it's just more that like finding I feel like no one really goes, I want to write a song without having some connection to a song. Um, And I guess like I wasn't even meaning to make it gendered. And I guess maybe that's a rule there, but at the same time, like I still listen to like, I still listen to moon song and get sad. Yeah. Also, what's your take is moon song about Connor Oberst? Um, Well, I read an interview of hers where she was talking about how sometimes, I really related to this, she was saying how a lot of the time she'll write songs and she'll realize that, like, her platonic relationships and romantic ones all just kind of get blurred together and sound similarly when she, right, I'm probably totally butchering what she was saying. Um, so maybe, I really don't know. Wait, is that, which is the song that he actually sings on? Is that Moonsong? What song does he sing on? Moonsong is, uh, the line that sticks out to me is, you couldn't have stuck your tongue down the throat of someone who loves you more. And, uh, and like, I never thought about it. And then my best friend was like, Moonsong's about Connor Oberst. I was like, what? No, what? And then I started looking into it. And it's like, I went down a Reddit rabbit hole and now I'm sold. Like someone's like, you're sick and you're married and you might be dying. I know. And, that like, was like, hmm. and then there's a bunch of references to polyamory in Connor Ober's songs. Like, like Gossamer Thin is the first one that comes to mind. Like it's no business of mine if they can love more than one at a time. Oh, hmm. I know. I, <laughs> I feel like there's so much I don't know about, like, Connor Oberst's personal life. And maybe I just don't 
read an alphabet. But I remember reading this, like, thread in a Facebook group, um, like, a Bright Eyes Facebook group, and the, the discussion topic was, like, do you think Connor Oberst could be polyamorous? And it was this huge discussion, and so many people were, like, no, have you listened to, like, half his songs? All he does is, like, like cry over one girl all the time and then some people were like yes I could see like him and Phoebe and someone else being in a throuple so I don't know <laughs> I don't know what my take is um but I guess you think Moonsong could is it about him? I, I have now convinced myself that it is I don't think it actually really matters um yeah. And I think that's probably peak success in songwriting is if everyone can apply their own meaning to it. Right. Yeah. Like even that's leaving good. things open ended, I think there's a, a value in like how many interpretations can I let this line have? Because that's the maximum yeah. way for everyone who hears it to have it be about them. Yeah, that's so true. I know. It's funny because it is, it is fun to try to figure out sometimes, like, who could this song be about? Um, but that's also so true. Like, it's, it's nice to, like, even, I feel like when I was, like, 10, I would listen to songs and obviously I had never, like, been in a serious relationship or had any sort, like, I was 10, but I would listen to these, like, really romantic songs and be like, oh my god, I relate to this so much, or sometimes I would even listen to, like, a romantic song, and I would think about it in terms of, like, a friend that I was no longer friends with, and yeah, there are just so many ways you can apply meaning to certain songs, especially the the best ones conversely and I, I don't want to speak out of turn here but i feel like your songs paint rather specific images <laughs> interesting <laughs> yeah um yeah some of them are very specific some of them also that seem very specific aren't even actually based on reality at all, which is interesting. Um, yeah. The song that really sticks out for me, and I feel like this is going to be the, the basic option, I, f I have the philosophy that everyone has their own hit, no matter what size of following <laughs> they have. Like, everyone yeah, has, yeah. like, their song. Um, yeah. Is Paper Girl. And what, what I find interesting about that is like listening to it, I feel like it's pretty, if you're awake, it's pretty easy to, and I don't want to discredit the nuance of the song. It's a wonderful song, um, but I feel like it really gives it to you. It's like, this is what the song is about, and it's fun. That's and I've true. like, I feel like you, what is really clever is you take heavy shit and wrap it up in like a bow and polka dot wrapping. And you're like, here's my song. It's about some gnarly things, but. It, like, sounds upbeat and happy. Um, That's the goal. 
But what I find interesting about that song is despite having a pretty specific and kind of getting back to getting back to the gendered thing about that is that I still listen to that song and I'm like, I feel like I have a personal relationship too, right. even still. Cause it's like, I do find it interesting the way even something that's delivered pretty kind of earnestly can be like the paper girl thing. Is it fair to say that that has to do with kind of gender roles and just generalized relationship things yeah for sure and it's so i'm so happy to hear that you can relate to it well at the same time i'm like i hear it and i'm like i mean i have my own struggles with like the world where the way people meet is like on an app where they're like yes or no and kind of the inverse side of that is being the like being the like emo dude is that you get the like opposite I can even relate to having those situations with reverse gender roles of being like right like no I really just want to go like have someone to go eat brunch with that I'm not all, all these other things so I find it interesting the power of a song even when it is kind of delivered with this narrative can still work in ways you maybe don't expect them to mm-hmm. yeah i love that <laughs> that's so interesting too to relate that to like dating apps and stuff um i feel like that that does add to the culture of just like a lack of straightforward communication and like intimacy is that a topic that is near and dear or just what hit you in the moment not as much as it used to be i did i did write that song my first year of college and what's so funny is that i feel like a lot of people want by the time they release a song they've written it often is a song they wrote a while ago. So it's like, I feel like I still promote that song, but I wrote it like five years ago now um, when I like was just starting college. Um, so I don't relate as much to it as I used to, uh, but but yeah, I think, I think it does, it does bother me the way there's this weird, like, chill culture, I feel like. Like, people just feel like they have to be chill about, like, hookups and relationships. And it's just weird to me because you can, like, have something be casual but still be a kind and communicative person. It just It's just never made a lot of sense to me. Right, that kind of like guarding in like, I don't care. Yeah. I feel yeah. like it's almost, I don't think it is possible to be someone who is affected enough by things to be like, I'm going to write a song about this. Like to be the kind of person who's going to see someone on the bus having a shitty day and then go home and imagine what that person's day has been. 
I don't think it's actually possible for that person to just like be chill about life either. Yeah, no, that's that's so true. And I think in that in the song Paper Girl, it was kind of like me trying to pretend I was that type of chill person and be like, okay, yeah, we don't have to communicate about anything. You can just be mean and I'm chill. But yeah, no, that's so true. Like if you care enough about things to write music about it, you just care, you care about things can't pretend not to or maybe some people can I don't know not me or you I guess is in the same breath as that um I feel like that's a lot of the same emotions where like the femme punk scene has has grown out of and that's this really like we're here and we're angry and want our voices heard I feel like you've (laughs) taken the same emotion and delivered it in the opposite aesthetic was that ever a conscious choice or is there part of you that like does want to dye your hair black and scream at things that's so interesting yeah I think there is there is that part of me um (laughs) that's a really interesting way to put it yeah like I feel like I'm always angry but I kind of try to like it with a bow um but they're definitely like I feel like a lot of the music I I really like pop punk music and um I would I would like to scream a lot uh so maybe soon you will I will release a song that's just me screaming there you go (laughs) well I just I at some level, whether it's something you ever thought about consciously, there is this, like, even down to, like, the pink baby strat, there is this either intentionally or unintentionally, but concentrated and, and I want to use the term deliberate, even though that would contradict what I was setting up here. Um, but there is, a, like, at, at some level, you have a considered aesthetic is that something you've really thought about consciously or something that's just like you're you doing you and this is how it comes out yeah I think it's a combo I mean I yeah I think I just it is just like authentically me but I definitely I definitely like to spend time thinking about how I want to present myself. Um, I was very excited to buy that that pink electric guitar. Uh, and I do kind of like the idea of like, like I like that it's, it's pink, but it also is an electric guitar. So it's still like, kind. it's not just like, I don't know, I feel like people don't, see electric guitars as like cutesy instruments it is interesting um it's it's changing like i think of 
nowadays when I think of the kind of music that is preserving kind of indie and like garage rock things i'm thinking of a lot of bedroom pop nowadays like i'm thinking mm-hmm. what kind of when you're tasked with like who is doing like lo-fi kind of sludgy stuff nowadays it's like soccer mommy and pale hound mm-hmm. um and even like i worked in instrument sales for years and i think i want to say that the statistics from fender are that 60 percent of new guitar buyers are women and even I love to hear that. now I'm a music teacher and oh. like my junior performance group is we have three girls and one boy like so I'm getting them like our theme gets to be women and rock and stuff so I think we are seeing this change happen where mm-hmm. almost reactionarily it's like like rap is become the thing for sure but I think that's so male dominated that it's like left kind of these edges for subgroups to grab onto, which is like, I'm seeing a lot more girls coming up who are like, like I fucking love Lane Staley and I'm going to learn Allison Chain's songs and like, you know, learn the green day catalog. So it'll be interesting to see how the, that representation changes yeah. Moving forward. Like maybe just pink will become the top selling color of Strat, which I would love because pink's True. a great color. Like It's a great color, yeah. Be cool to have a purple one too. I have a purple telecaster, so I'm like I'm you there. Do? I'm there. Bah- I'm jealous. But Bahamas, do you listen to Bahamas? I only know one song by them, Lost in the Light, right? That's Yeah. That's a Bahamas song. His first album is called Pink Strat, and it's like, so I feel like it's Pink Strat, it's owned by Afi now. It's his thing. It's his deal. Intra- I have to listen. Lost in the Light is like one of my favorite songs. I don't know how I don't know any more of their music. My Bahamas starting point recommendation would be Earth Tones. Just that entire album is... It'll change your life. It'll change your life. Okay, but... that's what I'm doing after this. Earth Jones. So, I'll kind of close it out here, but I wanted to ask you about recording. Um, I, mm-hmm. Something I try to ask everyone about, because I feel like it's just an ever-changing thing nowadays. The, like, yeah. There are so many options and so many different ways people approach it. Have you worked in studios? Have you worked with friends in basements? Have you put things in your phone? What have you done for recording? So the two EPs that I have released, I went to Nashville to record for both of them. Uh, So it was in like a home studio type of thing. I think that's pretty common in Nashville. Uh, So that's kind of what I'm used to, but I'm actually about to record two songs virtually with someone who wait did you say you listen to the front bottoms i do listen to the front bottoms is i feel like that's like a dirty i feel like that's like a thing you have to hide now i know i feel like a lot of people really don't like them but that's one of my favorite bands and the guy who is going to produce it produced talon of the hawk which is one of my favorite albums um so it's going to be a virtual thing. He's like in Texas 
and I think we might just be like sending files back and forth. I don't know. I've never done anything like that. So I'm really excited to try recording in a new way because um, I've loved recording in studios, but especially with COVID and how advanced technology is now, I'd like to see how recording in another way might go. I I also like I don't know, maybe I'll maybe I'll at some point do something more low key with friends. Uh, but yeah, the the two EPs I recorded have been in studios in Nashville. Are you are you expecting a bit of a different flavor to those songs working with with the Front Bottoms producer? Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the songs that I'm most excited to record, I think, it's right now it's called Red Solo Cup. I might change the name. I don't know. But it's a very angsty song. I actually mentioned Bright Eyes in it. Um, so I think that could be cool to have him produce uh, because I think it could be cool to have like the very angsty front bottoms type sound and he did a good job with with the songs he produced for them so I'm hoping I'm hoping that that will turn out in the way I want and maybe a little bit less um, cutesy than usual all of a sudden, you'll be like crying I'll about. I'll like, be screaming. I'll be screaming. Your lyrics will be like, "I'm drunk on a beach and I miss you, and I yeah. haven't paid the rent for four days." Yeah. That was my front bottoms impression. That was my uh, front bottoms lyrical. <laughs> Have you seen all those front like? There's all these like pop punk basement show TikToks like specifically making fun of front bottoms i don't actually use tiktok i'm not going to out myself but i do get them sent to me by other people no yeah people have um some headset people really don't like the front bottoms but i do so i think there's like yeah, I feel like front bottoms are in danger of just, like, I think he's a little, I think Brian's just, like, a tad too honest and, like, not harmful, but I think being that honest is, like, a bit of a liability in your music in terms of public perception yeah, goes. That's so true. Yeah. It, that sucks, too, because that's totally what I'm, like, striving for, because that's the best music to listen to. Oh, you listen to, like, early Leonard Cohen? It's insane. Like, he's got he's got lyrics that, if you take them in isolation, are, are not things people should say. But well, because it was, like... But it was honest, right? It was him, like... I think, yeah, you, you really have to, like... I think that's why my favorite art is made by heroin addicts, is, like, they just... Like, John Frusciante in his house, like clinging to life is is the most sincere music possible mm. you're gonna have to give me more music recommendations after this because i feel like you've name dropped a bunch of things that i probably would really like and i don't 
I'll do. I'll add you to Britain's emo playlist. Um, oh yes, please. <laughs> doesn't actually exist. Maybe it'll have to. But. Oh okay okay. <laughs> yeah, it has to now. Sweet. Well, thanks so much for taking the time. I'm looking forward to hear what happens with uh, with Mr. Frontbottoms Man, who probably has a name that isn't that, but anyway. <laughs> yes, his name is Chris. I'm excited. Hopefully I'll release them by the summer. We'll see. Stay tuned. You'll need, like, a hand-drawn cover of, like, a broken bottle and, like, some tears to... True. To really from bottoms it. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Sweet. Well, thanks so much. Stay uh, stay Thank well and you. safe and all that jazz. Likewise. Thanks so much for tuning in this week for this chat with Sarah Gargano. Again, you can find her at sarahgarganomusic.com or sarahgargano29 on the socials. Than them social things, them them brain eating devices. Ugh. Ugh. You know, you're just bleh. Anyway, if you like this podcast, um, all the stuff, I don't know, I'm trying to put my own spin on this, but show people, please. Tell them about it. I'm I'm trying to get people just to listen to this. I don't make any money doing this. I'm just like trying to have a platform, a soapbox on which to stand. You know, I've been watching this YouTube channel. It's just, it's a dude who bought a ghost town all by himself and he went out there and it's very like kind of Towns Van Zandt of him. It just, it feels very outlaw country and now I'm inspired. Now I want a ghost town so that I can like go crazy, be the shining in a freaking ghost town by myself forever all right i'll I'll, I'll see you in another couple weeks thanks guys love you peace